0: welcome to the bring it home podcast I'm your host Matt Kinzara and on this show we talk about your life your story and your purpose welcome to the bring it home podcast I'm your host Matt Kinzara great to be with you as always how's it going everyone It has been a really mild winter here in the great state of Wisconsin all throughout the Midwest. We are crossing our fingers that maybe we are going to be saved from the crazy cold and the crazy snow that we usually have, but we're probably wrong because usually March is the snowiest month of the year. Hope you're all well and that this podcast finds you in a good space and that you're chasing your dreams, you're following your purpose, you're figuring out your purpose, you're just living wide open and uh, and excited about that. And you're diving into spirituality, whatever that means for you. And that is the interesting thing about this podcast today. Another fellow Lake Drive book author, this is Sarah Hayward, that you're gonna get to hear from today. In this space, of faith deconstruction which we've heard from a lot of people who faith matters to them on this podcast it was really you know kind of founded on this idea of uh being a space where you can think differently about your faith but it can still propel you towards your dreams and your goals in life and for everybody i mean i don't think there's been a certain per, a single person on this podcast who didn't say okay i changed the way the people who talked about faith they all said you know i changed the way that I think about faith and now faith looks like this but this book and this author is like taking that to the next level cuz this is a person who lived their life in like mainstream evangelical christianity and now is at a place notice the book is uh if you if you saw it in in the title or anything like that the book is called and the podcast episode here is called giving up god not giving up on God not changing views on God but giving up God so I'll let you take your own conclusions with that I'll I'll let you come up with your own conclusions before you listen but with that said enjoy this conversation that I had boy it was quite a while ago so I apologize for Sarah because it was before the holidays even but enjoy this conversation with Sarah uh Sarah Hayward talking about her book, Giving Up God. Welcome, Sarah, to the podcast. Thanks for uh, taking some time out and a lot to celebrate today because recently you just put out your first book, first published book, I should say, called Giving Up God. So welcome to the podcast.
1: Yes, thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so I got a chance to, to read the book. That's one of the Mm -hmm. great uh, – I'm I'm an avid reader. It's one of my favorite things to do in the world. And the great thing about having a podcast is when people – ask to be on it, then you get to ask if you can have a copy of their book. Totally. Yeah. So I get all of these wonderful books to read, which is amazing. So why don't you just start? um, You'll be new to the listenership here for the most Mm -hmm. part, although some of them are connected to Lake Drive books for sure. We're Lake Drive family members. So that's awesome. Glad to have you on. And so just give us a little bit of overview of kind of who you are, where you came from, and maybe even a a little bit, although don't give it away because I've got a lot of great questions, but a little bit about what inspired (laughs) the book.
1: Okay, sounds good. So, yeah, I am uh, a Midwest girl. I grew up outside of Chicago in the suburbs, and uh, was raised in the evangelical church back there in an EV free church. And that was—I knew, knew
0: this was good. I could tell you—you mm-hmm. weren't like a coast person, right? You're a Midwest I'm from Wisconsin, yeah. so yeah, we're. A, oh
1: yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so I live like just <laughs>
0: south of Madison, so we're almost yep. neighbors. Years ago, so.
1: Very nice. Yes. And I actually ended up in Wisconsin for six years because I went to Marquette University for oh, college and grad school. So yeah. There you
0: go. There you Love go. The We're buddies.
1: Yes. Um, although I'm happy to be now out in the Pacific Northwest. It's a lot prettier out here (laughs) and there's no mosquitoes, which is uh, another really great benefit. Yeah, yeah, For those of you who
0: live in the Midwest, like people don't get that. People don't understand that there are places in the coastal United States that don't have mosquitoes. We just live as if they're a (laughs) foregone conclusion for the entire world. And And then you have use
1: your backyard all summer. Yeah. I remember the
0: first, so I've got a friend who lives out in Washington. I remember, and he grew up in Wisconsin and he told me there weren't mosquitoes, and I about lost my mind, and I, I almost moved. Anyway, all right. It still I keep gives
1: re- me twitches when I'm unloading groceries in and out of the car. That you can just leave the front door wide open for that's crazy. five whole minutes, and your house yeah. won't be filled and flooded with mosquitoes. So, yeah,
0: all right, yeah, okay. That's a I, I digress. All right, back to you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, grew up EV free, and uh was very. Very into that. From an early age, I did Awanas. I was in youth group. I went on retreats. I did missions trips. Um, So, being a Christian was very much part of my identity and was, you know, I would say was supposed to be who I am. I was supposed to be dead to Christ so that, uh, or dead to myself so Christ could live in me kind of a thing. And so, I was all in. I was a big Jesus freak. And uh, I ended up going to Marquette, as I said, uh, for their physical therapy program. So I am a physical therapist and I now work at an assisted living facility with a bunch of 80, 90 and 100 year olds, uh, which has been really fun. I really like working with this population. Um, so yeah, I did. I'm
0: the executive director at a senior center. So I hang out with 70, 80, 90 year olds all day as well. It's like, (laughs) like we are meant to talk to each other. This is perfect. perfect.
1: (laughs) I just love it. I have, that's not the world I came from. I spent over 10 years in outpatient orthopedics. So like post-op and shoulder pain and back pain, all that stuff. Uh, but the pandemic threw everything for a loop. I had been mm-hmm. laid off, and there was no one hiring for a while. I briefly opened my own PT clinic, uh, which was fun but very stressful. <laughs> and so, when people started hiring again, it was at this assisted living place, and I absolutely love it there. So, I'm hoping to stick around there for a while. But uh, yeah, so I'm a physical therapist by training, and when I had, I have two kids. They're five and seven now. Uh, but when they were starting to be born. I quickly saw how my identity could be uh, flooded with parenting and kind of taken over in that regard as being mom. And so I started a blog just as a, set, a way of keeping my sense of self going and to have a place where I could still think deep thoughts and ask hard questions and talk about life and politics and religion and and all of that. And so I had been writing this blog for a few years when my faith started to really ask really hard questions that I found I was not able to find satisfying answers for anymore. So where Uh, did those
0: where did those questions come from responses to your blog or did those questions come from just writing and exploring through that?
1: Just from thinking and I'm a huge reader myself. So just reading a lot of books on spiritual topics, starting to read more books on scientific topics and evolution and kind of quantum physics and all that fun nerdy stuff. And just thinking about the big things in life. Um, especially after I had gotten laid off, I had a lot of free time and the kids were still in their napping stage. So while they took naps, my husband was working from home. I could go for long walks for like an hour or two. And so a lot of ruminating happened then. Um, and I have always been, I've always taken my faith very seriously. So I'm always thinking about God and the universe and spiritual stuff. And so the questions just started taking a turn, I think partly from witnessing the world, the pandemic, George Floyd's murder was uh, rattling around in my brain for a long time, trying to come to terms with that. And so um, that's kind of what started my really seriously questioning if I thought I. If I could believe that God was a real concept, even anymore. Um, and as I tried to blog about that, I just realized this is too much <laughs> to say in a little tidy blog post. So that's kind of where the idea for the book was born. And uh a couple of years, several years later, now here it is.
0: Yeah. Now, one of the things that you mentioned early on in the book that kind of uh, and this is well before that period, is my understanding is that you had some experience internationally that kind of opened your eyes up to looking at spirituality different, right? Because when we grow up and, you know, I grew up Catholic, you grow up evangelical, like we grew up in this bubble of assuming that because we've Mm -hmm. been taught this way, that that just is the way to understand things. But then when you get a chance to either come in contact or live for a while internationally, you can see that 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 view of spirituality is quite different based on where you are. So share a little bit about mm-hmm. that experience of just getting a wider perspective of spirituality.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, the term deconstruction is kind of the hot term right now, but for me, that whole process was really 15 plus years long, just as I kept taking my faith seriously and investigating it and educating myself. And so, yeah, traveling, was a big part of that. And I was lucky enough to spend a semester abroad in Australia during my undergrad years. And so I spent a semester at Monash University outside of Melbourne. And Australia has a large population from the Asian countries. It's relatively close to Malaysia and Philippines and kind of all those areas. And so there was a large population on campus that were Muslim. And I was able to befriend some of those girls. And that was very eye-opening for me to I don't know that before that I had met a Muslim person in real life um, and to get to meet them and talk to them and especially hearing them talk about their faith, they sounded exactly like me. I was so shocked. I mean, they just sounded as, as devout and as full of faith and wanting to serve God. And um, so that was a big eye-opening moment for me to see that I had already going to Marquette, which is Jesuit been exposed to this the idea that there's other types of Christianity that are different than the way I grew up as evangelical. So that was a good starting to open the door uh, a bit. But to meet someone from another religion entirely, who didn't sound like some heathen who was backwards and twisted and wrong about everything, I thought, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> so yes, traveling was real big to just kind of get that bigger perspective.
0: Yeah. And then another thing that, that stuck out to me in the book that was a huge part of you know, I, I guess it wasn't a huge, uh, the, I use the deconstruction word very lightly as well, because I feel like it's mm-hmm. been, I don't know, it's it's like a lifelong journey, right? Your, your spirituality mm-hmm. ebbs and flows. And I suppose you're deconstructing from one type of thinking maybe, but it's just a matter of expanding or changing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for me, I, you know, growing up in Catholicism, there's so much about it that is mysterious. And mm-hmm. When I grew up in that, I didn't feel like anybody was trying to steer me away from that. Instead, it felt like they would lean into that, and mm-hmm. the mystery of God was just kind of part of what we experienced. Everything from the churches that we worshipped in to the way that they would do communion and tell us it was actual blood and body of Christ <laughs> happening up there, and
1: it mm-hmm. was just. Uh,
0: and so the mystery, I think, is what I'm drawn to, or was drawn to. And then we talked a lot about the saints and and kind of mm-hmm. uh, you know now that I think of it, some even Celtic spirituality. And then i too got into evangelical circles and then it went from the mysterious to the certain and that never sat with me well (laughs) i just i was always confused by it because i didn't understand how we could be certain about anything that's spiritual, although I tried. I tried because mm-hmm, I, like right. I was supposed to. <laughs> that and you was the culture, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And you had mentioned out of all books, which I think is fascinating, you read the book A Wrinkle in Time, correct?
1: Uh-huh, And, yes. and I
0: think you said that uh, the author made the mysterious sound sexy. I think that's a direct quote from your book. So <laughs> yep, explain um, right. <laughs> what you meant by that and, and why that was important to you.
1: Mm-hmm. So A Wrinkle in Time was my gateway drug to Madeline L'Engle. I am a huge Madeline L'Engle fan, and she has written a ton of books and a lot of spiritual memoir type books that are geared for adult audiences as well as her uh, YA stuff. And so it wasn't necessarily that particular book that leaned into the mystery. But as I read, I've tried. It's been a life goal of mine to read every book she's ever written, and I've made a good chunk of the way. Um But she is a mystic. She is totally open to mystery. And I think the quote I use in that book was something to the extent of what, how kind of, how sad would it be if we could explain God with certainty? God is supposed to be beyond our puny human minds and is supposed to be huge and majestic and unknowable. And isn't that great? And she really, yeah, like kind of, you were saying how you were raised, leaned into that and said, that's Wonderful. That's how it should be. If I can understand God myself, then that's not a very impressive God. Um, And so that door into mysticism and into being open with the unknown and with the gray zones contrasted heavily from my evangelical upbringing, which was very black and white and very much. We have all the answers in the way we believe and what we think is the right way. Um, So Madeline was a good early uh, intervention for me out of that black and white path.
0: Yeah and I, you know I love how you um you credit you know so so often we blame our parents for our our faith upbringing you know which <laughs> I don't have the luxury of doing because they were wonderful uh, mine were <laughs> but it sounds like you had a similar experience like your your kind of staunch evangelical Christianity came more from your youth group and your church settings where your parents were kind of like, yeah, but whatever, <laughs> like encouraging it to <laughs> go out kind more of laid back experience about the world, all. which is awesome. So I appreciate that as a parent mm-hmm. of, uh, older, uh, you know, or I guess young adults at this point, you know, it's yeah. nice to, <laughs> to know that we don't all blame our parents for everything. Anyway, you got, <laughs> you got to this point in the book, where, um, in well, your life story, so it's not just about the book, it's your story, <laughs> um, which is what That's my favorite books are stories of real people. And mm-hmm. you had this, and, and I wanted, I want to dig into this a little bit. You had this need maybe, or this deep desire to need to know if God was real or not. Why mm-hmm. did you need, why was that? Why, why did you express that? So, um, so strongly where you felt like there was just this need that you had to figure it out.
1: Hmm. I think because the faith that I had was paramount in my life. My faith was directing my choices. It was directing my vocabulary. It was directing my attitudes, my movie choice, my clothing, like everything I did centered around Christianity and centered around my faith. And I really tried to live the, what would Jesus do? Um, with every decision I made, I would pray about it and ask God. And so to me, the the concept that God may not be in actuality felt like that I'm dedicating my entire life to something that might not be real. I need to know if this is real, if I'm going to keep living, at least verbally dedicating my life to God. I tell my husband, because we are now on different pages, he still is able to hold on to an idea of the divine that I no longer am currently. Um, and I told him, I said, I still want all the same things. I still want peace and I still want justice. And I still want to lean into, um, service to others and kind of all the same Christian values I have just for now, a different motivation. I wouldn't say now it's doing so because I think that's what God wants me to do or to make God pleased with me or happy, but just cause I think that's a good way to be human. Um, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason that distinguish distinguishing the motivation behind my actions was important. And I needed to know if I'm going to dedicate my whole life to God, I want to do so knowing God is an actual thing.
0: (laughs) So what did, what did you decide?
1: At this moment in time, I don't really see it. I have a hard time and I know I'm open. You know, I I call myself now an agnostic atheist. I don't, the concept of God that I can understand to wrap my head around, or certainly that I was taught growing up, I cannot understand how that could be real, that God could be love itself. God is love and to know God is to know love. And yet also all powerful and all knowing and the creator of this specific world that we have the way it is, either God didn't know it was going to be this bad for so many people who live whole lives filled with suffering or wasn't really powerful enough to change that or come up with a better System or a better way, or maybe God isn't real, and this is all just here because it's here as a byproduct of the process of evolution, and there wasn't a divine creator behind it. So there's still a lot of room for mystery in there because the the fact of our existence at all with or without God makes no sense. Why is any of this here? What set off the big bang? What made God? What was existed before either of those two things? So there's still a lot of potential for my mind to change because there's a lot we just don't know and don't understand as humans. Um, but yeah, for me, the, the concept that I was given and that I've come to learn more about throughout my life, that is God. I just didn't compute anymore.
0: Yeah. Now you, a lot of people would hear that. And a lot of people would hear my story as well. And if you're coming from an evangelical space, which both (laughs) of us have in some way, shape or form, because that space is so wrapped in certainty, the idea Mm -hmm. of people, yourself, myself, willingly walking away from that sense of certainty, there's, Mm -hmm. um, Mm, Tell me if you experienced this, there was this, this sense that people just assumed that your life was in chaos or that you are, um, walking away from peace or I don't, I don't really even know how to say what I'm trying to say, but there was definitely this feeling and still is this feeling, I think in my own life of people just, they, they don't get it. And they assume that now, because I don't believe the way I once did, um, that, I have no moral compass or that I have no, you know, whatever you can fill in the blank with what you've heard as well. I think in the book, you, you even talk about like the sense of peacefully walking away from belief. Mm-hmm. And I know that I, I mean, I guess I would argue that I feel a lot more peaceful now with my, I guess my, my unbelief or my mystery, because mm-hmm. that feels more real to me um, mm-hmm. than I ever felt with the sense of certainty that I was trying to talk myself into. So for somebody listening who's hearing your story and this thinking, oh my gosh, she's walked off the deep end. Um, <laughs> what would you say in a sense of like where you find your peace outside of that or where you find um, you know, your centeredness?
1: Yeah, so I was surprised to find that I felt more peaceful after finally being able to say out loud that I didn't think God was a real thing. And that was physically hard for me. It's still awkward. I'm blushing right now. Like It's still hard for me to say that. It was a scary thing to say out loud. It was a scary question to ask. And it was a scary conclusion for me to come to. But once I did say it, it was just like tumblers clicked into place. And everything felt like it made more sense that way. particularly around evil and suffering to think that that wasn't anyone's Plan. It just happened. And there's good and evil in the world because humans suck and humans can be wonderful. And we make choices that both add to the suffering and add to hope and love in the world. And none of it is intentional or punishment or consequence of a a loving or a vengeful God watching from above. Um, So I felt more at peace with a world without God in it, quite frankly. It just felt more fair in a way for it to all be random. Um, and as far as my centeredness or my sense of peace, I think it, I've been very touched learning more, particularly about evolution and just seeing kind of that huge step back of millions of years of development of life on this planet and how connected we really all are. One thing led to another, led to another, and branches and branches, but we are all originally part of the same little spark of life that started. Again, very mysterious. I don't understand how that works, but it happened. We're all here. And the fact that we're so connected to me is very beautiful and very powerful. And so I get a strong sense of hope from being part of life, from being part of this human family, but also just all living creatures on this planet. And it gives me a stronger sense than I even had before of justice and of wanting to protect those who are currently being oppressed or, you know, suffering to protect the planet from climate change to the tiny degree that I as a random person in Washington can, um, I feel a stronger sense of urgency to be a part of everything and a part of life because I see that we're all related. Um, and so that gives me a sense of agency. And it also brings me hope to see what other humans are doing um, to try to help help increase our collective good and our collective thriving
0: yeah, I think for me, yeah, I can agree. Like that interconnectedness, what you talk mm-hmm. about, and and also like being op- opening yourself up to the concept of science, which we were <laughs> discouraged to do, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> You know, and understanding, you know, even, you know, you're, you, you are a little bit of a science buff. So I mean, understanding even quantum physics and things like that, like the mysteries runs deep, whether you're talking about spirituality mm-hmm. or talking about science, like it's all mystery. And I think really? for me, understanding the depth of that mystery and understanding the deep interconnectedness of everything Mm -hmm. it helped me not only within the concept of life, it also helps me within the concept of eternity. You know, a lot of people say, well, if you Mm -hmm. don't, you know, the biggest thing that people would come after me, well, if you don't believe Jesus died on the cross, you know, how Mm -hmm. does eternity work for you? And I was like, I have no idea, (laughs) but I'm pretty confident that it's, that's something like, I'm pretty confident that because this is such a mystery here, it's probably a mystery outside of here. And I don't Mm -hmm. doubt for a second that there's more than. these whatever 60 70 80 90 100 years that we're going to live what that looks like on the other side i sure hope i'm not (laughs) sitting on a cloud singing hymns uh you know but (laughs) but i think there's probably something beautiful beyond that so i think you know the mystery and the interconnective piece that you talked about um Mm -hmm. i do think there's a lot of beauty in that space and i do think that's a uh, a space of hope and and a space of hope for our world event, like you said, I think, which is mm-hmm. really beautiful. All right, I want to I want to jump on this. I I did a podcast with my my wife. So we've been married for twenty five years. So Susie and mm-hmm. I uh, both grew up Catholic. When we met, uh, I was the one that introduced her to an evangelical concept of faith or reading the Bible and things like that. (laughs) And then, um, we lived life working in the church for a number of years. We started a, um, a missional community. Um, I've, I've been a prison chap, like our whole life Mm -hmm. has been wrapped up in, in church and in faith circles. And then, um, over a number of years, I mean, over like you, like probably over, decade and a half or so like my whole mm-hmm. faith concept changed and hers not so much and so we did a podcast okay. together about that because I think a lot of couples struggle when one person decides to change the way they think because there was this way that you operated as a couple now it feels I mean some I mean if I'm honest like it it can feel as if there's a foundation of your marriage that's just taken out from under you, or it would be, right. it would make sense for one of the people, the per- the person that's not changing as much to feel that way. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Susie and I have not been um, shy to share the challenges that have gone with that. We still have challenges from time to time, but we still really try to respect each other's processes. So uh, you mentioned that, in the book. Yeah. You don't really dig in too far to it, which is okay. It's your story. You don't have to share any part of it that you don't want to share, but maybe share. Um, I think it's obvious what would be the challenges of that, but maybe share the ways that you and your husband have, uh, in healthy ways worked toward, um, common ground in this space. Yeah, I think
1: I, I, I try to touch on it in the book because it's obviously a part of life. Um, I was careful to not try to tell my husband's story for him mm-hmm. or, put he's not super thrilled that I've written a whole book on my growing disbelief. So I just didn't want to rub any more salt in the wound than necessary. Um, but yeah, it's been tricky. I think I feel lucky because we both had been very open-minded, progressive Christians. He wasn't, a conservative fundamentalist type. So he himself doesn't believe in the concept of hell. So it's not that he's worried about my soul being tormented for all eternity now. Um, he has a very open idea of what the afterlife might look like as well, kind of that it's this beautiful, welcoming place for everyone. And so I think that helps that he's not yeah, concerned about my soul. Um, cause that would be, you know, I said, if, if somebody who is still in the Christian faith and hears that I've left, isn't upset, that would be hurtful. Like they should be worried about me if they really think heaven and hell is real. I hope they're scared on my behalf. I don't think it's real, but if they do, yeah, I hope you're caring about where I end up. So, um, we, I like to say we're, we're still in the same, we're not on the same page anymore, but we're still in the same book. He and I were on the same page until very recently. And I'm just a page or two off from where he's at now. So we have a lot of common ground that we're able to still um, have conversations. He loves talking about the church and kind of dissecting religious political uh, issues and things like that. So we can still have those deeper conversations and not be uh, not have one of us speaking falsely. Uh, we can both still be open and honest and still connect on most of our points. Um, but yeah, it's been tricky. Something we've tried to do I still go to church uh, with him and with our kids and that's partly because I really love my church and and I respect them a lot. And they're a really cool church that has done entire sermon series on doubt. And I know half of the elder board has had most of all the same questions that I've had and um, they're very open as well. So we still do that together. And um, I think that's been helpful to not have to shake up our entire your weekly schedule kind of even revolves around faith if you're going to church every Sunday. Um, so we're trying, I'm trying not to rock the boat too hard in that regard and, and throw it all away. Um, and I do still find it can be edifying to still go there and have a a moment in the week to slow down and get introspective and think and, and all of that. Um, but we've met with our pastor and his wife uh, a couple of times. My husband just met with him again, one-on-one. We both have done therapy separately. Um, to help process all of this. And we just try to yeah keep talking and, and keep working out things as they come up, but it's hard. Yeah. I think that'll be kind of a, a lifelong process as well of, especially as our kids get older, they're still sort of young. We haven't really told them where I'm at on all these things, um, but that day will come. My daughter wants to read my book. She knows I wrote one. I'm not going to let her read it yet. Uh, I guess it also talks about me partying in college, and I just don't need her to see any of that yet. <laughs> um, but, you know, that day will come. So we're just going to have to figure that out as we go.
0: Yeah. So it's like, with like a million things, right? Not just this, that's just yeah. life and parenting and things exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. I think, um you know, the two things, a couple of things I want to key in on, make sure everybody got. It heard when you said you know the the focus should be on the common ground not as much on the differences we're gonna have differences Mm. you know talk about like a marital relationship like we're gonna we're not gonna be robots who think the same and feel the same you're gonna have different (laughs) thoughts on parenting you're gonna have different thoughts on politics on health on you know, faith. And so, you know, the Mm. more you can lean into those similarities and, um, and, you know, I, and the other thing that I just really want to encourage people, because sometimes again, especially in faith circles, this is almost, uh, certainly not encouraged, but like therapy is a really helpful thing for, Mm -hmm. um, for couples going through differences of opinions regarding their faith. And I know we, so we saw, a. Uh, account. We greet on this counselor who has been really good for us, and she mm-hmm. is able to help us find that common ground. So sometimes it'll get a little fiery because Susie and I can be a little <laughs> fiery, and then our counselor is able to say, "Hey, you're actually just saying the same thing. You're just using different language." Mm-hmm. And you know, that's that's kind of how faith is in some ways. And you know, I talked to my my kids don't really know where they stand. I've got an eighteen year old and a twenty year old, and when we talk about it, we're like, mm-hmm. "Well." If whatever you believe makes you a more loving, kind, beautiful human, then we'll give it two thumbs up, you know. <laughs> because at, right. the the day,
1: <laughs> exactly. at the end of the day, exactly,
0: it just is what it is. So thank you for for sharing that, and and also for honoring your husband and not telling his story, just uh, you know, sharing it in a way that I think will be <laughs> helpful to a lot of people. Um, where so you're you're in PT, you're putting this book out there into the world. What is what is your what? I guess you know what is your hope with putting out a book out there called giving up God, because some people would probably accuse you of just steering people down a path that we shouldn't do. I would not be one of those people, but what would be your hope for people who read this book?
1: Well, I say right up front in the intro of the book that my goal is not to change anyone's mind or convert anyone to my way of thinking. I really wrote that book because I felt so alone in that process Hold on. I got a kiddo coming in. <laughs> hey, buddy. I'm doing my meeting right now. What do you need? What do you need? Okay. You can go get a piece of bread. For us, I don't know. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Edit that a little bit out. No problem. Uh- <laughs> what was I saying?
0: So you're talking about your hope for the, the book. And if you just want to start oh, yes. back for there, that's fine.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I, I wrote the book because... I felt very alone and I am such a big reader. I've been reading, you know, the Jen Hatmaker, Sarah Bessie, Rachel Hull Evans, like all these sort of deconstruction progressive Christians for a while. And I couldn't find a book by somebody who had a very strong faith and had now left it. I was just seeing a gap there or there was a lot of books that I could now read from an atheistic perspective who I felt like had never had a real strong faith and couldn't relate to the grief that I felt because it was a huge grieving process. Um, Or all those progressive Christians still clung to some idea of God, whereas I was more willing to say, "Mm, I can't even use that word anymore. If there's a concept of the divine that I can get behind, just God would not be the word I would be able to use to describe it. Um, And so I just wrote the book for people like me, really, who had been strong Christians who had held it close and dearly and had now walked completely away and not necessarily for reasons of trauma or abuse, which there's plenty of those stories, sadly, Um, but just because I had kind of thought my way out of it. (laughs) And so I just write it as a trying to be a source of comfort and camaraderie for those on a similar path as myself, but not to convince anyone else to join me. Um, And I try really hard throughout the book to come, come across gently towards believers and not poke fun or ridicule or say, oh, I can't believe they still think this and, you know, turn back and look, look down on them. I still hold my faith in my history, um, tenderly and with a lot of gratitude. So I, I hope that, that nobody who does still believe, uh, would be offended necessarily reading my book aside from the fact that they wouldn't agree with me, but I try to yeah. come across not no, would, at least. <laughs> I
0: mean, you'd have to work hard to be offended at, at the book i don't think you know it's your story you get to tell your story and if that offends somebody Mm -hmm. that's not your problem um and i do you know i like you like i don't have i did for a while have an interest in like tearing down the machine (laughs) uh i don't anymore and and you don't get that sense reading this book either um which I think is really beautiful for a while. And I think there's a still an undertone to it that, that really puts a bad taste in my mouth. There's kind of this new progressive Christian thing where it's just like a new version of being right. And it's, it's Mm. a, it's a system that is being right at the expense of all the people that are wrong, you know, or whatever, but that's like been religion for, for all of humanity. And I don't think it's helpful to create a new version of that, which is, a big subsection of what I'm seeing. Um, but I Mm -hmm. do love a a type of conversation that just says like, you can, you, it's okay. You know, it's okay to, to think this way. Cause I think Mm -hmm. many of us who have gone down this line are, are we, we're trying to see how far we're willing to go. And I think, you know, your story gives people uh, permission to go as far as they need to go to feel okay Mm -hmm. about what they're feeling and what they're believing. And so I think your book accomplishes that. And it's a a beautiful opportunity because I agree with you. There's a lot of great books about deconstructing and getting to a place where, you know, you go so far, but I mean, you've gone to all Mm -hmm. the way to the point of considering yourself to not having a real belief in God anywhere Mm -hmm. like you did before. And I think it's important for people to know that you can do that and still be an amazing human being doing plenty of good in this (laughs) world and still having a sense of centeredness and peace. And in Mm -hmm. so many ways, like there's so much divine in that, you know, (laughs) like there's so much spiritual Mm -hmm. in that if you really think (laughs) about it. So thank you so much for being on the show. And I wish you best of luck with the book and, um, and just with life in general and with raising kids and your marriage and (laughs) career and the whole nine yards, Mm -hmm. just really appreciate you taking time and, uh, we'll stay in touch. And uh, if there's ever anything else you want to pop up and talk about, you just let me know. (laughs)
1: Sounds good, Matt. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure and nice to meet you.
0: Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much. More information on Sarah Hayward and the book Giving Up God, go to sarahenhayward.com. Hen is spelled with two N, so sarahenhayward.com. For more information on anything I got going on, just go to mattkanzara.com. And until next time, let's keep bringing it home.